Hello and welcome to another episode of the Six Man Podcast. Coming to you a week and a half later than we really wanted to, but it's okay. Uh, as Cam joins me from Chicagoland to talk about the 20 to 5 ass beating the Cubs took to Cincinnati yesterday. Just call it a year at that point. How do how do you let you the most up, you can't give up 20 runs to Cincinnati? And it's like I get baseball is weird, and you know, you're gonna do that once or twice in a year, but Cincinnati really. Come on. They're the worst run organization in baseball or pretty damn close to it. They're um, certainly like bottom five. Like I would I would put a couple and maybe put like Baltimore, Oakland. <laughs> like, yeah, Oakland for sure. And it's um, like Oakland's like it's not even like badly run in a sense of like incompetence that you see in other sports, like with you know, like the Washington Commanders or the New York Jets or the Sacramento Kings. It's just poorly run because it's like it, it's just so incredibly cheap. But that's that's neither here nor there. So we're all here because Darvin Ham just got hired as the Lakers head coach. Uh, yeah, emergency for- podcast. Emergency Darwin Ham podcast. Uh, big deal for Darwin Ham. He's been he he's probably been owed a head coaching job since 2013-2014. Good hire, I think, for the Lakers. It's uh, I mean, well, this is on. a transitioning I mean, off LeBron me... hire. This is like yeah. we are transitioning out of LeBron James hire. I think that you're going to get one year of James and Ham together, uh, and then probably see them move off him, uh, or James retires, or you know, some some catastrophic move where the Cavs trade back for LeBron or something. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I enjoy the move. I think Darvin Ham's probably a top five assistant coach in the NBA. Now he gets a yeah, shot. for sure. I, I mean, his name was getting, you know, his name was getting, like, he, his name was getting floated around, like, last year. Um I think, yeah, he was certainly in the tier of, you know, he was in a tier kind of by himself of like next assistance, you know, next man up head coaching wise for the assistants. It was like him, Becky Hammond, um, you know, people like that, that were probably going to get a job, you know, in the next one or two years or definitely going to get a job in the next one or two years, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this would be interesting. I, I hope that um, – I mean, obviously, you would expect that LeBron vetted this one. So I would hope that, you know, he's a part of their the, – the, the, the brain trust there, and it's not a thing where they run him out of town after like a, you know, 500 start – after like a 15 and 15 start or something like that. Although I bet next year's Laker rosters would probably be thrilled with a 15 and 15 start. Yeah, especially if Westbrook's back, honestly. Um, I'm just, I'm looking at, uh, you know, I, th- I, I think this is going to be a transitional coaching hire. Again, four years is a long time right off the back for Darvin Ham. I think what they're going to do is they're going to wait him out and see, you know, can you get out of the LeBron James era and kind of get us into whatever's next. 
Uh, but the real reason we're here. Draft lottery happens, and the Orlando Magic won the lottery for the fourth time in 30 years. Is that the most all-time? It's got to be up there. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, some other just – Cleveland's three times. Cleveland's three or four times. Um, well, C- Cleveland three for sure. Philly has got to be up there, right? Philadelphia's had. I'm looking at. It, it's got to be up there, right? Like, it, it, it's, there's just so many, like. Houston, probably. The Cavaliers have had it one, two, three, four, five, oh, six four times. Six times. Oh, wow. Cavaliers have had six times, 71, 86, so three, 11, 13, and 14. They went back-to-back years with uh, Andrew Wiggins. Now, technically, Wiggins was pretty much immediately traded. Uh, Detroit's had it three times. Houston has had it four times. The Clippers slash Bullets have had it five times. Um. Bucks have had it four times. The Knicks have had it just once. But if you count the ABA four times or pre-ABA. The Knicks have have had it once. The Knicks were gifted it. The Knicks cheated. You know know what team we don't see on here? The Indiana Pacers. You know, crazy sports fact of the day. What team has never had a single number one pick play for them in the entire franchise history? the Indiana Pacers, and that's not changing this year because there is no way in hell Orlando trades out of the first pick, I don't think. I don't know about that, but there's no you way have to offer trade a down with Indiana for six. No, I think, I think Houston moving from three to one, you might be able to talk me into that. I don't think OKC gives a shit. I think OKC is like, look, we have 43 draft picks in the next. OKC is going to be fine with whoever falls to them at two. So let's 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 not spoil anything too much for now. Uh, One thing you want to talk about real quick: uh, Warriors, fourth NBA final or sixth NBA sixth NBA final in eight years. Eight years. Um, It's really incredible to see what they've done. And uh, I think more importantly, it's like, especially it's like they had their dynasty run, you know, they, they won three and four. Um, then they got forced to take two years off because of injuries. Exactly. And it's like, I, I don't know about you, but it's like, I, I think like, I'm not entirely sure that they were ever really going to come back. Like I, I, I wasn't a hundred percent on them. Like, finding their way back to the mountaintop. You know, it's like their core is getting older. They haven't really had, you know, a whole lot of the developmental young guys come through quite yet. I think Moses Moody is going to be a really good piece for them. And then obviously they got years out of Jordan Poole. And, you know, Kevin Looney has come along leaps and bounds. 
And then, you know, you Domingo's throw looked in absurd. an all-star appearance, an all-star year from uh, Andrew Wiggins, and here they are again. And I think probably no matter who wins the Eastern Conference final, that um, Golden State is probably going to be the favorite, I would think. I would say at this point, yeah. You know, and it's funny, I think Boston presents a much tougher matchup for them. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, just like the defensive caliber of Boston. Uh, Ime Adoku, I think, should have actually been coach of the year. I get it. Monty Williams had the 66 wins. But it is really hard to look at where the Celtics were in January and where they ended and be like, you know what? He doesn't deserve to be coach of the year. Um, and, and another big thing, um, you know, I think that we learned out West is that Kevin Durant or or Andrew Wiggins, it wouldn't have mattered. I think the Warriors probably still would have made those finals. That's kind of what we've learned. Um, let, let, let's get, let's transition to the mock draft because I think there's some intrigue here. Uh, we're going to kind of spend a lot more time on the lottery teams than the non-lottery teams, as per usual. Probably split it into two parts because. Cam, there's really like eight solidified players in this draft and then a lot of who the hell knows um, and really like four potential all-stars. One guy who is the biggest boom bust type of caliber player since Anthony Bennett. And then, you know, just a lot of like borderline players i think this year you know a lot of people said last year's draft is weak which asinine uh because you had kate cunningham you had evan mobley but i think this year you're gonna we're gonna look back at this in history and say there was just a lot of guys um and i just like last year there were a lot of guys i don't i think there's a lot of guys at different levels in yeah. this draft, which kind of makes it like it, which makes it a little bit more interesting because it's like, th- there are people who are probably going to be taken like at the back end of the first round that I think are going to be like really good contributors in the NBA. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's players, you know, who we probably won't call the names of like Patrick Baldwin Jr. Or uh, Keon Ellis players like that who are going to be, six-man caliber players on their rosters the next two or three years and then potentially starters from there on out. But the key in this draft, to me, was who jumped to who. Uh, We're going to start with Orlando. Mm -hmm. Orlando gets the first pick. Cam, you're on the clock. So, again, this is a – Any one of Jabari Smith, Paolo Banker, and Chet Holmgren. You know, each of them have strengths in their own right. Each of them have weaknesses in their own right. I think, you know, like you said, Chet is, I, I think he's either going, like, Chet's either going to be the best player in this draft or, you know, it, he is going to be the biggest bust from this draft. And it's, it's really hard to, it's really hard to kind of figure out which end I, I lean more. I, I really like Chet. I think he is going to succeed as long as somebody doesn't like fuck around with him. You know, as long as like you get him on a good progress on a good development plan, 
And I think in three or four years, like I, I really think Chet Holmgren could be like the best center in the league just because of what he can offer you on defense. He can stretch the court. Um, you know, he's super long. You know, he can do he can do a lot. Um, but ultimately, with the number one pick, I think it makes more sense for Orlando to take, take Jabari Smith here. I think, um, you know, you're coming off of a career year with Wendell Carter Jr. You still have Jonathan Isaac. There's a, a small chance that Mo Bamba, like, I don't think they're going to keep Mo Bamba, but there's a chance. And it's like, I, I don't really necessarily see a fit for Chet with a team that has Wendell Carter Jr. and Jonathan Isaac on their roster already. I think this also allows them to really kind of focus on their backcourt pairing. It gives them another wing. You know, they have Cole Anthony, you have Jalen Suggs, you know, you have, um, you know, Moritz, Wag Moritz Wagner coming off the bench. Um, and I, I, I think it just makes more sense for them to take somebody like Jabari Smith who can go out um, can get his shot, who can knock down shots on the wing, um, who's tall, like 6'10", is going to give you, you know, a little bit more options in kind of crafting your lineup than I think Chet would for Orlando. So that's that's why I decided. I, I think Jabari is just a marginally better fit for the Magic. I like the pick here. It's either Smith or Paulo, I think, for them. And I just think Smith is like – I think Orlando can't afford to miss. Like, they're in a spot where they really can't afford to miss right now. They have yeah, – I, I think Jabari Smith has the highest floor. Yeah, I think guys. four out of the three is the highest. Definitely a better defender than Paulo. And, again, I think if they didn't have Mo Bamba on the books, if they don't have um, – Robin Lopez of all players. I think maybe you could talk me into taking Chet as like a, all right, you're just going to start. Wendell's going to have to figure it out. Uh, but I think Wendell's also proven he's a little too talented to push him to the, push him to the bench. I like the pick there for Orlando. It gives the Thunder a perfect opportunity to get the second of their twin towers uh, is what a lot of people are calling the Chet Holgren and, uh, Oh, of course, his name is going to escape me as soon as I want to talk about Pukashevsky, uh, Poku uh, pairing. Uh, I don't think Poku is worth a damn in the NBA, but I think Chet is going to be probably slightly worse Evan Mobley when all is said and done in his rookie year. Um, and if you get slightly worse Evan Mobley the year after Evan Mobley is taken, kind of sucks but on the flip side i think right now okc just needs dudes uh and if you get slightly worse seven mobley in year one i think you i think you're happy with that um i just think that he has so much of a defensive prowess that we've not seen from pretty much any prospect other than mobley in the last at least 10 years i, I, I mean Chet has like Chet has serious like defensive player of the year potential. 
Yeah, and I and again, I he he has that like. Mobley kind of had the same thing. His team defense unbelievable. His post defense unbelievable. Other than, you know, the only thing that we worried about with Mobley was how would he do on the perimeter, and he turned out to be pretty all right with that. I think again we're seeing that with Chet, and Chet needs to put on about forty pounds before the start of the season, at least. Um, but I will say this: I think OKC, if they if they do get Chet, if he falls to two would be thrilled to call his name second overall, and they should be. I think he'll be at least a slightly worse Evan Mobley with the potential to be, I don't know, Joel Embiid, like third-year Joel Embiid in his first yeah. year. Like, that's... I, he's, yeah. The, the com- obviously, the combination, because of their build, gets thrown around as, like, Dirk, but... No, Dirk wasn't as aggressive on defense. Like, yeah, it, I mean, he's he's like gonna be Dirk on offense and like Marcus Camby on defense. Like, and, and like, let's not be, let's not forget. Like, you know, I, as much as I shit all over Chet Holgren, like the dude's gonna be good. But there was people comparing him to Kevin Durant coming into Gonzaga. Anytime somebody's compared to Ke- Kevin Durant, and then you're immediately like. Well, I don't know. He's probably more like different skill set. Yeah, t- completely different skill set. But also, he's really more like an offensive powered, you know, uh, Marcus Camby. Stop comparing people to Kevin Durant. It's basically where I'm at with this. I'm so sick of that crap. Um, yeah, that's all I got for OKC. So yeah, you're back. third, pretty easy. Uh, you know, Houston takes Paolo here um i am a little bit hesitant of him on houston they already have like that entire team is already guys who just go out and get their own shot that's definitely paulo's skill set um there's gonna have to be houston's gonna have to do a little bit of work on some team offense um especially if uh, Kevin Porter Jr. kind of has another episode. But uh, we'll go from there. You know, we'll see what happens. It's the easy pick. Paulo, again, has really, I, I think, a really, really high floor. You know, the ceiling is maybe just a little bit lower than Jabari Smith. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we saw it at Duke. Paulo can get his own shot. He can make a lot of things happen from um, – and, you know, you just, you just kind of, if you get the ball in his hands, then, you know, you get the ball, you know, you get the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be, he's, you know, he's a really good, really good passer, uh, you know, really good distributor, you know, average like three assists a game at Duke. I think if you can, you know, if you can get three assists a game from him in the NBA, like, you know, I, I think he could be kind of like a 20, or at least 26 and five, 25 and five. Sure. Yeah. If rookie year in Houston, like if you can get like 15 points out of like maybe like 15, five and five, I think Houston takes that. Yeah. His defense is really his only question mark. You know, he, he showed yeah. so many great flashes at Duke, but man, there are so many times on team, especially team defense. And well, I mean, the- he, he had really good help defense at Duke too. 
Yeah, he had great health defense. Uh, yeah. We can't, we can't, over, and, and he's not going to have that in years. No. They are one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. Um, um, the the fit with him and Sengun might be a little interesting, but I guess we'll see. Because like, I got, I don't know how, I don't know how long Christian Wood is in Houston. Yeah, I think he's got one more year, one or two more years. I think he's on the same like career path as Miles Turner right now, which. Uh, I think Miles Turner's contract ends after this season as well. So I think they're on the same year. Maybe he's a year later. So here's the first wild card. This is the only team that rose in the draft, the Sacramento Kings. Mm. And I struggled with this pick for many reasons. I think that if I'm the Kings, I take the best player available. I am not the Kings, and I don't think that's what the Kings are going to do because I think the best player in this draft is still on the board overall. Um, just based on my own biases and opinions of probably about 10 hours of film I've watched. But based on a strong combine and – some decent interviewing and then not interviewing with anybody who was after the Kings. I think they're going to take shade and sharp. I, yeah. We're, we're, it seems like we're kind of getting the hint that shade on sharp is not going to fall past four one way or the other. I have heard some rumblings that Orlando liked him enough to take him at one. And if that happens, all hell is going to break loose. There will be so many players in high school who decide I can graduate early and try to get into the NBA a semester or two quicker and not have to show graduate, any I can tape. graduate early, hang out at Kentucky for a year. No, not even a year. He was there four months. Like, yeah. And again, a semester. it's crazy that like, we're having this conversation because, you know, credits. our first semester, you know, our first mock draft, we had Sharp at like seven or eight. And he just, you know, he showed enough at the combine. He weighed in well. He, I mean, he's like six, six, with like a six, 11 wingspan. The dude, the dude's going to. He like a 38 and a half inch vertical. I, he will certainly be the most interesting prospect. Man, his uh, his Jalen Green's hot. I, I I was like, I was kind of hoping you would just like throw me for a wrench there. Um, uh, nah, you you know me too. I that's not me. But I, I I'm gonna go here. I think you know he plays small forward, or you go like De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, then him, Harrison Barnes, and Sabonis. Like that's a the, solid. The only lineup. thing I don't like about this is. Um, we saw that the Kings gave up their guard pairing, their backcourt pairing already. Um, I, I guess six, like he is six six. He, I mean, he shows that he can play defense. You probably toss him at the three and say, "Give us what you can." 
Do I love it? No. But I think that if you're the Kings, you got to hit a home run. You're sick of missing the playoffs. You know, you traded for Demonis Sabonis thinking that that would push you over the edge, and it didn't. In fact, I would argue your team got worse, but that's besides the point. Now you need something that's going to truly push you over the top, and you cannot take another point guard or another ball-handling guard. And that's not Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp is going to be kind of a 3-and-D wing who can play make if he has to. Uh, and- I think this pick for them is either going to be I, I think it's either going to be Shade and Sharp or Keegan Murray here. Actually, I think yeah. I think Ivy is off the board for them. Yeah, and, and again, that that's crazy that Ivy is still available here, uh, considering again, so many scouts have said maybe the worst collegiate player in the draft who has the highest opportunity to be the best. NBA player. Uh, but that means you're on the clock for pick five, the Motown Pistons. Yeah, I I think, like, I don't necessarily – again, this is one of the things I don't necessarily love the fit, but I do think putting him next to Cade Cunningham is really interesting. Um, and I – I, I think Detroit already has kind of like the wings that they want in place. Um, so I'm going to take Jaden Ivey here, number five. Um, I, I think that, let's, I mean, Cade Cunningham averaged, you know, five and a half assists a game. Um, turnover ratio was a little high, you know, three, three and a half turnovers a game. Obviously, that'll come down over time. Um, I, I, I think like just having somebody who can, you know, distribute, um, to Cunningham where it's like, you know, Kate doesn't necessarily, I mean, obviously you want the ball in Kate's hands as much as possible, but if you give, if you get a point guard like Ivy in place who, um, you know, who can make that happen, I think, you know, you're really fueling. Uh, you're real. You're really kind of putting the places and you're putting the pieces in place for Cunningham to really go off next year. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those like there's a lot of fit questions, and that's been the knock with Ivy for everybody is that in the top six there really isn't a team who needs a Jaden Ivy even though I think every team needs a Jaden Ivey. Um, I think there's just too much, too many needs for wings in this top six that I've seen him go mocked to Portland at seven in some drafts, but I think he'll do wonders in Detroit, honestly. Um, that means the Indiana Pacers are on the clock and the guy we were kind of hoping for to slip to six doesn't. Um, no trades in this one, of course. So I got to make a pick here and I'm going to take Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Every time I watch film on this guy, I move him higher on my board. He started off like 11th and I've had him as high as five. I just think that like, if you put him out there, you know, with some form of like, 
Halliburton, Duarte, um, O'Shea Brissett, and then like, you know, you throw out Isaiah out there uh, with Benedict Mather, and you've got a team that's just going to run and gun. Um, his defense is pretty solid. He's super athletic. He shoots pretty well. You know, his free throw rate isn't great. It's only like 8%. You want that to be a lot higher. But I have a feeling that Benedict Matherin's, again, one of those, like, I think, again, if we had two first-round picks, it would be perfect. Because uh, then you go, like, high-floor guy and then, like, high-ceiling guy, you know, with the second one. But I'm going to go Matherin here. Makes a lot of sense. Fits the Indiana, you know, lifestyle. And he was talking with the the coach and – president of basketball operations afterwards. Uh, I, I think that Matherin to the Pacers, if you're a betting person, it's probably where I'd be putting my money right now. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. So that means that leaves Portland at seven. And you, you mentioned that we, we agreed to not really move too far to move too much here with trades. Um, but I, I, I think this is a team that's, probably not going to draft here they're either trading down or trading out entirely and i think it depends if there's maybe maybe they think they can get jalen duran if they move down to like 11 or maybe there's a center who's available that they want uh I mean, maybe they- this could in my mind this could potentially be like Oklahoma, like Oklahoma, we know Oklahoma City has the draft capital to make something happen. Like this could potentially be like 12 and 30 and maybe like a, you know, a, a future first yeah. for seven if like Oklahoma City like really likes somebody here. Um, this could also be a pick seven uh, crap salary like Drew or uh, like Bledsoe and for a sign and trade of DeAndre Ayton. Like that is yeah. another thing that that's I certainly think... so Portland again, a team that needs a lot, but I, I think they kind of figure out like the direction that, that they're going to be going next year. Um, there's a lot of speculation that uh, they are not going to rebuild and they are going to go after somebody, which again leads to kind of the speculation that this is, that this pick is being traded. Um I'm going with AJ Griffin here um, just because I think out of the people that are still on the board, he is one of the youngest. He does have uh, some pretty good offensive upside to him. Um, Obviously defense is a little bit of a negative, which Portland needs, but I I think with their, you know, their other wings that's, you know that, that they're going to kind of figure that they're going to kind of figure this out. This, like I said, Portland is going to be a hard team to mock because I just, I just don't really know what they're going to be doing. And I think like this seventh pick, like when we do future, like when we do a, a, a mock draft where we can, where we do some trades, uh, I have to believe that this is definitely going to be on the on the trade block somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I went I like- with I, I went with Griffin. Um, a great shooter. You know, he can shoot. He's gonna, he's gonna be, he's gonna score for you on the wing. Um, it's just gonna be a seven you know, foot wingspan. And I mean, 
It's he didn't buy in on. He's got plenty of time to develop, which I think is if Portland's going to draft somebody here, they're probably going to take a project. They're going to take somebody that has a lot of, lot of upside, and they'll go from there. Number yeah, eight. It, looks, it looks interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of comparisons to Jalen Brown when you look at Griffin there. So I like I like the pick there. Jalen Brown next to, you know, if, if he turns into Jalen Brown, putting him next to Dame Lillard, that's kind of hot. So um, this is tough. New Orleans is in an odd spot. Again, I think this is another one of those. This pick might be up for trade. Um, but thinking about kind of what did what did the Pelicans in on let's be real they had a pretty good season I think they did a lot better without Zion than anybody ever could have thought was gonna happen um they're gonna take a player who I would say compares a lot to SGA um Dyson Daniels D-League Ignite kid I would have loved to have seen him play in college. I think he would have been awesome. Um, he he play makes so well. Uh, he averaged like 21, 8, and 5 or 21, 8, and 3 at the G League showcase. And one of the big things that really, you know, highlights his game for me is he's just such – like he throws so many guys open. And one of the things I think – if Zion comes back and if Zion's perfectly healthy, like they think he's going to be, that's what you need. You need a guy who's going to throw up lobs, but who can also throw it around everywhere else. He was third in defensive win shares in the U19 world championships. To me, like if you get SGA or SGA light at six, you're doing something right. That's why I like Dyson Daniels. I think he's going to be another, you know, another Aussie to come into the league and kind of tear shit up. Um, and after his weigh-in, he looked really good at the, you know, the pro day uh, for the G League. I think I think he'll be pretty good. Pick and roll defense leaves a lot to be desired, but no one's good at pick and roll defense coming into the NBA. You you learn that with your team. Um, and I and I think that Daniels is the right pick here for this team. So at where are we at number nine, um, I think this is a pretty easy pick. I think if he's there at nine, San Antonio will sprint to draft him. Uh, Keegan Murray, who I think is probably one of the most NBA ready players in this draft. Um, he can score, he can shoot, he can do a whole lot. Um, like. Needs a little, maybe needs a little bit of work on defense, you know, can body up a little bit. Uh, but man, it this gives me like I, I, I imagine him just doing like if he goes to Keegan Murray goes to San Antonio, I think he's an all star in like four years. Definitely just like the absolute highest floor of pretty much anybody in this draft, like you're yeah. pretty much guaranteed, just like. 17 and five with good defense just like for the rest of his career which is essentially just like OG Ananobi now um yeah you know I think again his shooting is also something that you know he really highlighted well at Iowa shot like 
42% from three. His free throw percentage is high. I would love for him to get to the line more. I think that that's his only knock is that his free throw rate is a little lower uh, at around like 10 or 11%. Other than that, it's like the ultimate Popovich guy right here. Like, just like this guy is going to come in, bust his ass on defense and get 15 to 18 points playing team basketball. And that there's nothing more you can ask for at the ninth pick. I'm pretty sure. So that gives me pick 10, the Washington wizards. This is another pick. I have no idea what they're going to do. I think a lot depends on if Bradley Beal wants out. I think if Bradley Beal says, get me the fuck out of here. This, this pick could be on the move too. Absolutely. They could have pick seven and pick 10 and everything else Portland ever is owned. Like if, you know, they want, if Portland wants to go the Dane Lillard, Bradley Beal route and play the worst defensive, you know, backcourt in NBA history. Um, but again, no trades in this one. So I'm going to go with Usman Diang. From the New Zealand Breakers, 6'10", he weighed at 207.5. He has like a 7'2 or 7'3 wingspan, listed as a small forward. I think he floats like three to four. Uh, In a positionless basketball system, it doesn't matter. Here's what does matter. He has very active hands on defense. Just, you know, I – I keep thinking about like just how tenacious their defense could be with like Avdia and him just clamping down wings. Um, And I think that that's awesome. So it's interesting. I think that, you know, he struggles, you know, scoring, but his defensive prowess is pretty high. And you know, he, he, he's pretty good in the corners. And in the NBA, you're going to get that look as a rookie quite a bit. So I like his I, – I think his ISO game needs a little bit of work. I think overall he's going to be pretty raw. But just thinking of, like, Avdia, Hachimura, and him switching 3v3 on defense just makes me feel inappropriate things for the Wizards. I think that that's, like – Perfect, perfect place for him, and I think that's a good, good pickup for the Wizards there. So number eleven, the New York Knicks. I really, really, really don't know what to do here. Um, again, need a New lot. York. Yeah, like New York is again like they kind of need everything. Um, you know, I think you got to be happy with how RJ Barrett developed this year i think he took some really nice step forwards but the problem is it's like okay after barrett like who is on that roster like who is the like because like julius randall could get traded evan fortier may get traded like how like is are you is are you gonna start like obviously they have a lot to do with um uh with with Kemba Walker like there's gonna be questions if with Kemba Walker Obi Toppin really hasn't developed you know Mitchell Robinson kind of took a step back um 
Cam Reddish was hurt. So I like I don't really know what to do. I, I think if you're looking probably, you know, who's on the board, like do you go with somebody who can maybe contribute a little bit more instantly? Do you go with somebody who is a little bit more of a project? Um, so I, I think in in a situation like this, I think you probably just go best available. I think that's Jeremy Shoshan. Soshan, um, you know, he has gotten a lot of buzz recently. I, I think he could be pretty good in New York. I think, you know, they are, you know, if, if Dyson Daniels is here for them at 11, they probably take him. I think like Ty Ty Washington, maybe they take a risk on, um, Maybe Johnny Davis too, but I, I think Soshan probably has the most potential. I think that's probably what New York, what the Knicks need the most. All right, we're going back to who needs everything, uh, OKC, and obviously they don't need to replace SGA. Uh, it's probably about their only thing that's like. Hey, we, we we're we're sticking with this. Other than Giddy as well, I like Malachi Branham here. I really don't know why. It just feels like the ultimate OKC pick because the guy who many people touted as the best shooting guard in the draft and Johnny Davis is still on the board. And to me, I, I look at Malachi Branham's game. I look at. You know, he's 6'5", 180, kind of lanky, but he has a six foot 11 wingspan, a really good shooter. And he comes out of an Ohio State system that's going to have potentially three first-round picks this year. And because of that, um, I, I like his – I like it. I've liked his stock quite a bit. And he did some really good things watching his highlights from the, you know, the – prospect roundup a week ago. So that's where I'm going to go. I think that that's, that, that's where OKC is going to go uh, because they just drafted their center uh, to replace Kukashevsky. So. Yeah, now they have a really good six-man. Uh, Charlotte at 13, I think this is probably going to be the most telegraphed pick. I think you're going to see this pretty much in every mock draft. Charlotte needs somebody they can put down low. I, I there's two options look, though. There's two. I don't think they're really going to look past Mark Williams at Duke. I think if you look at the people who are still on the board, um, who can kind of play that role, I think Williams is going to have a little bit higher upside for you. Um, you could go Tari Eason here, but I, I think Williams gives them more of what they need, which is somebody who can, sit down low and who can catch lobs from LaMelo ball. That's interesting. Uh, Jalen Durant's kind of who I was thinking for Charlotte from Memphis, but this is why we div divvy this up. This makes this a lot more interesting. Uh, I do like Mark Williams fit there. Do you think that that's fine? Oh, they have Jaylen... 15, they, Charlotte has 15 too. Yeah. They get to pick 13 and 15. Should I give him? Should I give them both to Duran and Williams? 
I mean, it's possible. Like, I, I think at this point, they need to throw as many darts at a, at a center as possible. Um, and I obviously just telegraphed who I'm taking at 14. Nah, I don't uh, know. With O'Shea Obaji from Kansas to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've seen a lot of, like, kind of surprising picks. Um, but here's the deal. Here, here's kind of my, my thoughts on this Cleveland team. They just need somebody who is kind of, you know, relaxed under pressure, and that's what we saw. I mean, this guy just, you know, player of the year conversation for a reason, right? Like, that. that's – that's that's why you're taking him here at 14. Like this is a guy. This is Chris Duarte last year. This is, you know, your perennial. Oh, old man goes in first round. Oh, he's an instant creator. You know, think Malcolm Brogdon to the Bucks in the second round. Think like those kinds of players. You know, Danny Granger to the Pacers in 2000. You know, four or 2006 when he got drafted from New Mexico. Like very easily is going to crack the rotation, be a top nine player and just play like three and D basketball for a team that just needs guys who are going to play three and D basketball, basically. So perfect, perfect pick there for Cleveland. And again, another opportunity for somebody to take Johnny Davis who passes on him. I, I have Johnny Davis 20th on my board right now. (laughs) He did not have a good pro day, man. He was, he was rough at the combine. Um, yeah, he he kind of ended the year a little rough. Like his numbers went kind of went down at the end of the year. But we're talking about him because I think he's another he's a good fit for Charlotte at 15. Gives them a, a really good, excellent wing scorer. Um, obviously, yeah, the production tapered off at the end of the year. But I, I think you know once a scorer, always a scorer. And I think he's going to find it. And I think, you know, having somebody who can knock down shots uh, around LaMelo Ball is really important. Um, So that's why I have him at 15 here. I really like the pick. I think he's going to do – I think he could could do good things. You know, his game translates – his game translates to the NBA. And I I think, you know, this is going to be a really good pick, really good depth pick for Charlotte. All right, Atlanta, what do they do? They got a yeah. lot. They got some issues. They – man, it feels like McMillan's going to get fired in the middle of the season next year. Just kind of like thrown under the bus in Atlanta. That roster, I don't love the roster, the way it's set up. So here's where I'm at. I am going to take the best player available, and that is Jalen Duran from Memphis. I don't think he's going to start right away. I think he'll probably play 60% of the games even. But overall, I I like the I like the pick here for Atlanta. I think the Hawks need a center who for the future, you know, and I know they just signed Clickapella. Don't give a shit. Like if Jalen Duran catches on the NBA, could catch up to speed. You'll be better in Clint Capone. So. I like it. I like it. Um, 17, I, I think 
So let's see. So Houston, again, we had them picking Bancaro at three. Um, probably just go best player available here. Give me one second. Truck driving by. Um, you know, you probably, I, I, I think this pick is probably like a Kevin Porter Jr. insurance. And I, I think Houston, I bet my best player right now is Ty Ty Washington. Uh, another score, you know, out of Kentucky. Um, he can shoot. Obviously, he's got some injuries. I think he's got, you know, but again, he's got some, I, I think, a decent ceiling to where Houston can take a swing at him at 17. Yeah, uh, this is this is an easy pick. I think the Bulls just need like a. Yeah, with where we are on the board, I, there are, two, yeah, there are two names I would go with, I think. You know, you need somebody who can spell. Uh, you know, who who can who can spell uh, spell down low. You know, I, there's I two players here I like. I, I'm gonna go with the taller one and the one who. Either, yeah, it's either Tari Eason or Walker Kessler. Oh man, I was not gonna take Walker Kessler. Uh, no, I I'm going with Tari Eason here. He can stretch the floor, six eight, weighed in at like. 225. He's put on about nine pounds of muscle since the season ended. So you like to see that he's bulked up quite a bit. Pretty impressive showing at the combine so far. He has a pro day, I think, next week. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But he's shooting, you know, he's shooting 39 or so percent last year. He transferred from Cincinnati to LSU. So we'll see what happens. Um but again, I think at this point, the Bulls are just hoping they can throw a guy in, pick up six fouls, and give Vucevic a rest, but also not lose them the game while he's in. Well, you need – their biggest need, I think, is somebody who can play with play with, or play um, in in the place of Nikola Vucevic down low. They need somebody who can – who's going to, I think, more a little bit more of a bully down low, which is why I, I kind of circled Walker Kessler as a possibility here. Um, they need interior defense. So, but Tari Eason, you know, he can certainly do that. Um, so it, it's really, it's just a matter of fit. It's just a matter of preference. So 19 Minnesota, again, you know, Minnesota, they, they made the playoffs this year. Um, you know, they're certainly on the rise. You, you would think that, you know, they're definitely a team that is, I think, could could take a, a really big step next year. You know, we saw Anthony Edwards really break out. You know, they still have Carl Anthony Towns. Um, they got a lot of, you know, a lot of good minutes, a lot of good production from D'Angelo Russell. Um, I look at this team – and I think to myself, okay, like what does, you know, Minnesota just kind of needs depth here. I think, you know, I, the next, again, like, like I said, the next player on my board is Walker Kessler. I don't think that's really a great fit for them. 
Um, so I see a couple things you can go here. You can kind of hedge that uh, against D'Angelo Russell leaving. Um, I know they, they got some decent minutes out of Jordan McLaughlin. Not sure if he's necessarily, you know, who they're looking for for their next starting point guard. So I'm going to go Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee here. Um, you know, I, I, I like the fit, you know, a little bit easier of a sell. Um, again, he, he's young. He's got time to develop good defensively, um, you know, averaged close to, you know, four and a half assists a game at Tennessee. Um, he can make shots. You know, he's uh, in we'll, we'll go from there, really. That's it's just. You know, again, I think Minnesota could go a lot of different ways with this pick. This is a pick that maybe could even move for Minnesota to get another depth depth piece for themselves. Uh, but we'll go from there. I don't know what San Antonio is going to do. I think all these picks are potentially going to be packaged, maybe move up a little bit. You know, San Antonio moving up from like – nine to five with Detroit, Detroit getting a bunch of just like, you know, pick nine, pick 20, pick 25 makes a lot of sense. But again, it's no trade thing. Throw me for a whirl. I'm going to go with Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. Didn't have the best year. Uh, Indiana native. Kind of, kind of underwhelming season for Notre Dame, honestly, only shot like 40% from the field. And he could easily just be a bust because he was like decent stats on bad team guy. But there are a lot of like NBA aspects to his game that I really like. He's really good with dribble handoffs. He's really good in isolation. He's a pretty good defender, um, even though Notre Dame was the best defensively. And Notre Dame is one of those like process schools where if he even, which he, I don't think, I think he's hired an agent. I don't think he can go back, but if he was to go back, wouldn't be surprised either if he was like a top 10 pick next year uh, and did like a Jaden Ivey type of transformation almost. But I would say right now, given the season he had, you know, he was a projected top 10 pick coming into the season, walking out at 20, maybe, maybe San Antonio runs a little risk here. And takes another, you know, defensive upside guard here. Um, just to add depth to that team. Again, I don't think they're taking. I don't think they're making all three picks. But at this point, for the exercise, we have to. So, San Antonio, Blake Wesley. Uh, next pick, twenty-one, Denver. Obviously, this is uh, Nikola Jokic team now. They're hopefully going to get Jamal Murray back at some point next year. They're going to get hopefully going to get Michael Porter back at some point next year. Um, he's going to sign five year two sixty, I believe, was the the it's number. Be pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty. It's going to be insane. So, what do you need if you're Denver? You need guys who can come and make an impact uh, early. I think you could you can kind of argue that in uh, Kendall Brown. Um, you know, at, at one point was mocked as a lottery pick, had a little, had a rough stretch to end the year. Um, this dude's really athletic, you know, he can do a lot. And I think 
in a place like Denver, you're going to need, you, you need athletic guys who can run up and down the court and he is going to do that for you. Um, and I think, yeah, you take a shot on him, you develop him. You don't necessarily have to play him a ton right away, but I, I think he can be a really solid uh, rotation piece for them, which is exactly what they are going to need here in the next couple of years, depending on uh, how tricky their salary cap situation gets. So here we are, another team where just an abundance of riches – and I don't really know kind of what route they would be looking at. Uh, but I really like this player, Jaden Hardy of the G League Ignite. Um, 6'4, 190 shooting guard, kind of the Desmond Bain kind of mold. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking at. And having seven Desmond Baines on your roster like they currently do, adding another one isn't really that big of a deal. So that's where I would go if I was Memphis is just getting another, just like G League Ignite kind of guy. Yeah. I, I, I have a feeling these Memphis 22 and 29 are, are moving for some sort of package. I just don't know what that is yet. Um, so that puts us 23 at Brooklyn. This is best player available purely for me. Um, I think it's Walker Kessler. I think, Brooklyn would be really good with just like kind of like a lockdown center like that. I, you know, they have Drummond, but how much more are you going to get out of him? You need somebody who can come in on the cheap. You need somebody who's not really going to ask for the ball. Um, and I, I think Kessler just is somebody who can kind of just sit there. He'll get, you know, he's going to average three or four blocks a game. He's going to average three blocks a game. He's going to average 10 rebounds a game. I, I think, you know, you find a way to plug him into that offense. And, you know, Brooklyn, again, is probably going to be, you know, I, you're not entirely sure what's going to come of the Kyrie Irving situation. Um, so I like if, I would have loved to pick Jaden Hardy here if I was them. I think that they like a scorer, somebody who can go out and, you know, they can maybe kind of see what they got because again, you know, who knows what Brooklyn's roster is going to look like in two, three years. So you go out, you, and I, so that's why I, I, I like this pick, this Kessler pick, you go out, you grab somebody who you know is going to be a lockdown defender um, and can play center for you, you know, maybe like a, a Steven Adams type, Steven Adams with a little bit better defense here. Not as mean. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee. They need a punch off the bench, and they kind of let this punch walk after they won the title last year to go to Miami. Um, I'm going to go with EJ Liddell from Ohio State. Uh, I've always liked his game. Kind of wish he would have, uh, kind of wish he would have left last year, would have gave some other Big Ten teams who shall not be named uh, more of a fighting chance against them. But I'm going to go with EJ Liddell. He, uh, 
he just, you know, for a four, plays solid defense, does some really, really good things on the ball, too. Uh, kind of reminds me of David West a little bit. So I'm hoping, you know, Milwaukee maybe gets a David West backup power forward for Giannis here. San Antonio back on the clock. Pick number 25. And they're going to take Nikolajovic from, I think it's Mega BMAX. Don't quote me on that. But uh, Jovic, <laughs> kind of wish he would have went to the, uh, the Nuggets here. Jokic and Jovic, be a lot of fun. Here, here's, here's my thing with Jovic. I really don't know what to make of him. You know, I think he has the opportunity to be. It's the perfect Spurs pick. <sighs> it, it they is. love these guys. And, and it's again, it's another one of those guys who like pretty much coming into the year, no one had ever really heard of. Um, you know, he weighed in, you know, he's 6'10, 209, plays shooting guard on his, you know, his Euro team. Fuck, I don't know why. <laughs> um, it, 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 nothing makes sense over there. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a really good distributor, you know. Per 36, like four and a half, six, four, four and a half assists a game. Um, you know, the you you hope that he'll develop, you know, you know, you hope that you get a little bit more of a body on him with San Antonio. Um, but again, this is somebody who can come in and he's probably not necessarily going to be like your uh, Jacob uh, Portal replacement, but I think he's somebody who the Spurs will know they, the Spurs will have a program for him. Um, and this is where I would like to see him go. So, and in six years, he's going to be the best power forward, small forward in the NBA because that's just the Spurs thing to do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dallas is interesting. They need another scorer. Yes. Um, the best. I'm not sure that this is necessarily the right scorer for them. I I, I look at like what's left, where they're at. And I again, this is another one of those picks that I don't think the team is making. I think Dallas is moving this pick. Yes. And there's two players I looked at. I like Trevor Keels out of Duke. I think he would be fit fine here. I also like Patrick Baldwin Jr. from Milwaukee, and that's the one I'm going to go with. Small school. Not a um, lot of sample size. Here's the deal, though. I think that like, he, you think you have to remember, like Baldwin was a five-star recruit. He went to went to play for his dad in Milwaukee. So it's like we're not really sure. It's like I, you're not. I'm not entirely sold on him. It's like, I mean, the athletic has him like you know, 29, you know, he's all over the place. I see him um, as high as 15 on some people's boards. I wouldn't go that high, but I do think he has enough there. And again, you can't, I don't, he, it's like, he may be one of those guys where it's like, if he like, he may need to go back to Milwaukee and like go average like 30 points a game and then just be a lottery pick next year. Who knows, man? 
at this point, you know, the seven two wingspan's huge, six yeah. nine, six ten, somewhere in there. Like forty five percent shooter, but like only like thirty from three. He just had such a weird season. I think he'll be fine at the next level. I don't think. I, I mean, I don't know what to do with him. Defensively, it leaves a lot to be desired. That's not something I think they are looking at. But, again, you're looking strictly for a guy who's just going to get you buckets, put his head down, go get you points. Patrick Baldwin Jr. is my pick here. So we got Miami at 27. This is this is a tough pick because it's like I'm not sure really what Miami needs. Um, like, the, obviously, they've gotten a lot of production from people like – you know, Gabe Vincent, like from their second round pick, like Gabe Vincent, the Gabe Vincent, Max Struss, like they are finding people in the draft that like are or late in the draft or even undrafted that are giving them a lot of quality minutes. So it's like this could be this could be a pick that moves um, right now. I think they probably need somebody. I, I, I think, again, this is a team that needs a like second go-to score to pair with Jimmy Butler. Um, I'm not sure how much more you're going to get out of Kyle Lowry. So I'm going to kind of do a, it's like I said, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what your, what Miami would do here. So I'm going to give them somebody who I think can do a lot for them. And then they kind of figure out, you know, where his best fit is. And I think that's Christian Braun from Kansas. Um, he, he did decide to stay in the draft. Um, and, you know, this is a guy, it's like, you know, oh, Cam, you're just giving Miami another white three-point shooter. And that's that's really not the case. Um, you know, he did shoot 38.5% from three, but it, the, de- his, the defensive hustle is there. And if that's And if that's a concern with Duncan Robinson, then I think Christian Braun gives you – gives you a lot of that. Um, you know, he, he's six, seven, the wingspan isn't necessarily great. You know, it's only a six, six and a half wingspan. Um, but there is a lot of effort there. You know, there, he does do a lot. He averaged six and a half rebounds for Kansas. Um, so I, I think this gives Miami a lot of versatility and I think that's what they like in their roster. Um, so that this is the pick that really makes the most sense to me. I, I think at this point, you know, it's all a crapshoot, right? Like anything yeah. this late in the draft, like no one has any idea what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a fine pick. Um, Golden State, I don't really know what they need. I, they don't need much. I'm yeah. going to go Trevor. I, best player available on my board is yeah, Trevor. Just somebody Kills. who can somebody who can give them some minutes. Yeah, a body. Trevor Kills from Duke, I think, is the best player I have left. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna go Trevor Kills here. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about him. He had some fine moments, but again, it does the way Duke plays basketball. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I again, it's just one of those. He's a combo guard, but also kind of a three. He's a little bit bigger. You know, he's six. You know, he's only six five, but he's like two twenty five, two thirty. He's got some power. Um, I think he'll be fine with like pick and roll mid range stuff. I don't know about his three point shot. It wasn't great. People compare him to Lou Dort. I don't think his ceiling's that high. I look maybe like a 
almost like a campaign-esque player with him. So if you get campaign at pick 28, you're probably fine. And it's Golden State. They have an abundance of riches here. So, yep. This is a, yeah, and then, so we got Memphis at twenty nine, and I, I I'm not sure where they would go again. I, this is twenty two and twenty nine are moving. Yeah, there's just no way they take these. There, there's just no way they pick players here in my opinion. So like, I I'm, I'm gonna go with somebody who's been moving up draft boards. And that is, I, I'm kind of between like EJ Liddell and Jake LaRavia here. I think Liddell's been picked. Oh, he has been picked? Yeah, I took him at 24. Oh, you did pick him. Okay, well, Jake LaRavia, Wake Forest. Um, moving up draft boards, dude has, again, he's, he's a kind of another do it all player. Um, he's 6'8. He's a little bit older, but, you know, Memphis needs some people who, you know, it's like Memphis is kind of set at the moment. So it's like, you know, you give them like, everybody needs wings. Um, you know, this guy does it all. He's smart, like gives you variety. And like I said, more than likely this pick gets moved. All right. This is the last pick in the first round, last pick we're going to do because God damn, no one knows what happened in these rounds at all. But, uh, I mean, if Oklahoma City actually picks somebody at 30, I will be shocked. Yeah, again, this like, is one if of this, If they still own this pick at the end of the first round, I think they are doing their draft wrong. This is one of those optimal drafts for them where, like, they should try to get another pick. Maybe, I don't know, Washington needs a lot of shit. Talk to them. Maybe you could be like, hey, Washington – if we give you 12 and 30, can we get pick 10? Something like that. Maybe that's a little too high for pick 10. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to take Trevaquin Smith from NCSU, North Carolina State. I got I to gotta say, I've watched a little bit of his film, and I would have said he was a second-round pick. Kind of similar to, like, Ron Harper Jr. in that it's, like, hits the big shots – But, you know, he says he's only going to stay in the draft if he hears, like, a team say, I'm going to pick you in the first round. Man, you can't trust that shit. But at the end of the day, if he goes in the first round, it be cool. I think he's going to be fine. You know, he's, like, 6'5", but he's so small, man. He's, like, 140 pounds, 150 pounds. Um, maybe. Maybe. Like, I hope I hope it works out for them. If not, North Carolina State's going to be a hell of a basketball team next year. Uh, you mark my words on that. But that's going to do it. This is a long one. And mock drafts always are, but especially when we get into these later picks, where let's 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 see some differences here. So, man, we had Walker Kessler at sixteen last time around. We had Nikola Jovic at fifteen. Christian Coloco, John Montero in the first round, Oscar Sheboy. Yeah, there's people saying Monroe might not even get drafted. Like Monroe. Well, yeah. I mean, look at look at Trace Jackson Davis, man. He went from potentially a first late first round pick to, to 
middle of the pack second round to maybe undrafted to unfortunately having to miss the combine. And now he's back at IU and IU looks like it could like legitimately be a top three, top four team in the big 10. Yeah. I mean, that's the best case scenario for IU sucks for him. Maybe, maybe he'll have another just stellar year. I, at I, IU I think and... he's going to be like a, wherever like Oscar Shibway goes this year in the second round, I think is probably where Trace Jackson Davis will go in the second round next year. He just if if Trace develops a jump shot, then his value skyrockets. Yeah, look out. Because like you need guys like that. And so yeah. It's just a matter Uh, of it's just a matter of develop developing his jump shot. Next box drafts will be after all the playoffs are over with and done. Probably after the new league year starts, too. Yeah, because I like I said, some of these picks are getting moved. I Let's, think so. Okay, and name what are your top three picks most likely to get moved? Uh, seven with Portland, yes. I think is probably one or two on that list. New York's pick at eleven, yeah, super high on that list. And then I think either of the Charlotte picks are in play or the OKC picks at 12 and 30. I, yeah, I think like, huh, like Sacramento may move down at four New Orleans. So, okay. Eight. If you're OKC, do you say we'll give you 12, 12, 30 and two picks next year or a pick next year to pick in 2025, let's say to move up to four to go get Jaden Ivey. Yeah, I'd do it. Why not? I, I think so. I don't – again, I have – I mean, this is exactly why they have so many picks, though. It's like, you know, you see the guy that you want and you go out and, you know, you can afford to get – you can afford to overpay. Yeah, absolutely. They've done so much good business, they can sense. afford to do bad like, business. I, I think it would make sense for – a team like, you know, at Portland, it's, I know Portland's going to want like somebody back. So it's like, but a team like New Orleans, maybe where they can kind of mortgage their future a little bit better. Um, Washington, like if Bradley Beal gets dealt, would probably want to start collecting first round picks. Um, so it's got like o- Oklahoma City is definitely going to be trading up for somebody either like this year or next year that they should just have no – they should have had no chance at getting, and then that's where it's going to, like, turn around for them. Yeah, and you know what? San Antonio also probably in play to move. And nine, yeah. You know, I could easily see San Antonio taking 20 and 24 and saying, Cleveland, do you want two shots at your dartboard? Uh, or 20 and 25, I mean – uh, do you want to do you want to trade pick fourteen dust? Like we have a guy here we want, and I think Cleveland would have to take it because they need to get cheaper because uh, they're about to overpay for a lot of people. So, yeah, uh, certainly going to be interesting. Um, July first, start of the new league year. This is probably the last podcast or last time you hear from us for until then, maybe we'll wrap up the finals. No, wrap- let's do, let's do like, I mean, let's, we, we got to do something for the start of the finals. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the finals and whatnot, but 
as far as like in-depth mock draft pod, nothing till the new league year, because that's where we're going to find out what the new salary cap situation looks like. Um, so maybe some details on regional TV contracts and how that affects the NBA's uh, projections for the next few years. In addition, the tampering the China period. China money yes, could be an China, issue. China money will be interesting, but the big thing I think we all want to hear about is the tampering that's going to be get, making people forfeit second-round picks. Hell yeah. I love this time of year. Uh, Indy 500 on Sunday in Indianapolis. I will not be there, but I... I'll be watching. I hope people have a blast. I, I believe they... We're already seeing we're all, already seeing some marvelous snake pit content. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Also, getting some pretty fast qualifier times, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this year. So, should be a pretty fast race overall. So that's that. Of course, it's the greatest spectacle in racing for a week, a reason. I know, uh, but also that weekend is always great because you got Monaco and Indy. You also have the greatest spectacle and people watching. Yeah. Uh, in Indianapolis too. So uh, that's going to wrap this up. Thanks so much for listening wherever you are. Have a wonderful rest of your day and good luck filling out your mock drafts of your own.